Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot actual play role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the Dungeon Master, Storyteller, Lore Master, and All-Around Host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game material, setting material, music, and whatever else, is used without permission. None of it is ours. We're just using it to enhance our gameplay. But, an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister. H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas, check out our Roll D4 adventure prompts on social media. And if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. We're doing Fate again. Plus, we're doing Fate next month. This one is Fate of Cthulhu, though, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and developed by Stephen Blackmore. It was kickstarted for just over $90,000 and delivered in late 2019. Why is Fate of Cthulhu different? Picture crossing eldritch horror with the Terminator or Travelers. If you haven't heard of that show, check it out. You will not be disappointed. It was quite excellent. Most derivatives of the Cthulhu mythos by problematic author H.P. Lovecraft are set in the early 1900s. This is not that. In this, the great old one of your choice has already won. There is a story that has been written. The player characters are the hardened, corrupted, and desperate survivors of the dark future that have come back in time to fix it. The stars were right. It's up to you to make them wrong again. I am so, so very in love with this premise. There's an incredible amount of story baked into the core concept, and there's so much variation built into the various timelines. The core game, a 250-page standalone sourcebook, comes with five timelines, Great Cthulhu, Dagon, Shub-Nigurath, Nyarlathotep, and The King in Yellow. Each timeline talks about the Great Old One's arrival and aftermath, as well as four pivotal moments in time that led to the apocalypse. On top of that, Stretch Goals will release seven more apocalypses by guest designers. Besides the core fate rules, the minions of the Great Old Ones, and the various timelines, there are rules for performing magic, modifying the timelines, and designing your own apocalypse. One thing to note is the absence of madness. If you've played any of the various Cthulhu-branded games, from Call of Cthulhu to Mansions of Madness to Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu to Smash Up's Obligatory Cthulhu Expansion, and many, many more such-like, insanity is a core conceit of the genre. But that's focused in a game where the characters don't know what's happening, and it plays on tropes that can have really negative portrayals of mental illness. In Fate of Cthulhu, they decided to focus on corruption instead, and they leave it open to your creativity in how to portray that. It could be... it, it could be mental trauma, 
but it could also be mutation, moral degradation, or anything else you can imagine as a negative effect of coming into contact with the truly alien minds and powers in the mythos. I think it's genius, because besides gently and firmly stepping away from that distasteful section of the mythos, actively choosing to walk deeper into corruption makes more sense for post-apocalyptic survivors who do what they must to save the world. There's a great section that coaches you with three rules for portraying mental trauma. Don't diagnose, don't punish, and don't make it exotic. All in all, this approach is a thoughtful look at the genre which I really appreciated reading and implementing. Now, if you haven't played or listened to Fate Games before, here's the basic rules rundown. The world is made up of aspects, which are short phrases that describe characters, situations, connections, motivations, locations, or whatever else. Importantly, they are always true. Some examples are, the cultists are heavily armed, the room is bone-breakingly cold, everything is on fire, former acolyte of the children of Azathoth, and my loyal dog Reg. In gameplay, aspects help set the scene and define the characters, and by using fate points, players can invoke aspects to get a plus two to their rolls or re-roll their dice. Aspects can also be compelled, meaning the game master can suggest a course of action in line with a character's aspect, but against their best interests. If this compel is refused, the player must spend a fate point. If the compel is accepted, the player is awarded a fate point for use later, but they do have to act. Like, for example, if a character is suspicious of everyone and someone offers them help, the GM could compel that aspect and say, if you refuse the help because you're suspicious of everyone, you can have a fate point. Make sense? It's a narrative tool that takes a little practice, but it's a great mechanic to define characters outside of flat numbers. Characters are also made up of flat numbers, skills, stunts, stress, and consequences, which are not numbers, those are opportunities. I'll tell you more. Skills are rated, generally from 0 to 5. Stunts let you break the rules and do interesting things in specific circumstances. Stress measures how close you are to true injury. And consequences are aspects that represent physical and mental trauma that you take in the course of your story. So, for example, a consequence could be sprained wrist or it could be splitting headache. But how do you do things? The player character states what they want, the GM sets a difficulty, then the player rolls four fudge dice and adds their skill rank to get the total. Fudge dice are six-sided, with two blank faces, two pluses, and two minuses. If the total of the roll equals or exceeds the difficulty, the player's action resolves successfully. You can also succeed at a cost, or succeed with style, depending on how you roll versus the difficulty. And if you want to get more, you can always start spending fate points and invoking aspects to increase your total. Fate of Cthulhu is a brilliant game. It combines a bunch of things that I love. Time travel, urban fantasy, eldritch horror, and post-apocalyptic stories. The timeline pivot points are framing devices that give the players some knowledge while leaving the implementation open to the GM. Plus, there are GM secrets, because of course there are. Not everything recorded is recorded faithfully 
or completely in the future. In fact, very little is. The players go in with a broad idea of the sequence of events, and the game master gets to play with that. A Fate of Cthulhu group made of grizzled post-apocalyptic veterans of monster battles will approach a story completely differently than a group made up mostly of researchers or current-day heroes. The game is written to let you be flexible, which means these campaigns are going to be so different from table to table. Plus, each pivot event could be a few sessions, depending on how much additional writing the GM does. There's a lot of game in the core five. And then we have stretch goals and your own ideas. Anywho, for this episode, I went classic and decided to use Cthulhu. I let the players decide which of the four events they wanted to go for, and they chose the stuff that dreams are made of. Our game today included David Booth playing Ethan, the Innover's head guy, Jen Black Moyer playing Cassandra, the former cultist, Brendan Larson playing Charles, the senior time travel researcher, Andre DeRosa playing Ruth, the super soldier, and Earl Woods playing Dale Hollywood Lynch, the actor turned drifter. Some of you are from the future. You survived the rise of terrible Cthulhu in 2030, and in the years after, you were part of the experiments into time travel. You walked through time, touching the mind of Yog sothoth and emerged in the year 2020, corrupted, certainly, but hopefully, but hopeful that you could avert the rising dark timeline. You found allies in this time period and you've chosen your mission. There is a statue, a grotesquerie made of dung and varnish, bone and animal gut, precious stones and pieces of broken mosaics from centuries-old civilizations no one has ever heard of. It is a tentacled bat-like thing, leering over a twisted base that fools the eyes, twisting impossibly in on itself. Supposedly, it can whisper dark secrets that none should know in ancient languages of a people long gone from a universe blighted and forlorn. In 2030, it will be part of the rituals to raise the undersea city of impossible angles, Rilie, and waken Great Cthulhu. It is not the only thing that can raise Rilie. It just happens to be the one on auction. Sometime between the winning bid by a wealthy Chinese investor and his taking possession of it, the statue disappears. Ten years later, it turns up in the hands of cultists who use it to help waken Cthulhu. As one of the more prominent pieces used to raise the dead city, taking it out of play might just lessen the horrors wrought by Cthulhu's return. For that reason, you are sitting in a bowling alley a few blocks down from Plimpton and MacReady's auction house in Edinburgh, Scotland. So, you can all take turns describing yourselves, figuring out how you got involved, and how you know each other. I was going to ask David, do you know if Ethan, is he from the future or is he from now? No, I am from 2020. I have no corruption, so I'm assuming I didn't time travel. Yeah, that is correct. 
which I assume that means Cassandra also did not time travel. That's what I was thinking as well. So yeah, it could be that Cassandra and Ethan are people in the future who you know and you were supposed to recruit in the past because they're useful. Or maybe Ethan just kind of fell into an early mission. Maybe he noticed one of you come out of the past, or out of the future. Well, and also um, one of my aspects is that the children of Azathoth want me dead, so maybe when Cassandra left we met up somehow. You you helped me escape. Ooh, I like that. That's what mine thinks us. So, I am Cassandra. I am a former cultist. Uh, I'm a former acolyte of the children of Azathoth. Um, and I was there till Ethan helped me escape. I imagine it goes like one day I went to get like a latte. Um, and then he like chatted with me a lot. And then I just pictured you like bumbled into events. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, you really shouldn't be in this. I'm like, you're right. This is terrible. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I am Ethan, an overcaffeinated barista, and the children of Azathoth want me dead, probably because I've single-handedly removed one of their uh, cult members without even really trying. Just by just being like, nice. You're just like, man, did you know how good caffeine was? And I was like, no, I'm not allowed to have it. What? The, the dread old lords hate niceness so much. They really do. Well, I fell into this. Uh, Hollywood uh, fell into this uh, while working on the set of Color Out of Space. Um, he discovered that, in fact, the film, which is based on old H.P. Lovecraft stories, uh, was indeed an initial foray into uh, into the 20th century by the forces of darkness and an initial experiment. And uh, um, while nothing really came of it, it, it did uh, turn out that it ended his Hollywood career because he's the only one that believes that, hey, Cthulhu isn't just a, a mythos, it's it's future reality. And uh, he left Hollywood behind in, in somewhat a, of a dazed state and became a drifter and uh, wound up hooking into the network of uh, anti-Cthulhu forces scattered among the uh, uh, across the world and uh, hooked up with this particular group uh, because they seem to have a pretty good chance of perhaps averting our dread fate. Uh, I'm Ruth. I am one of the Two from the future. I assume Charles is also from the future. Is that right? You betcha. Yeah. So Charles and I came from the future to hopefully right some wrongs. And uh, yeah, I'm a super soldier. I uh, bio augmented. I have some bone daggers. That's uh, rad. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like Wolverine. I think. Yeah, extrude daggers from her hands. Yeah. So, looking forward to killing some eldritch beasts and anybody else who stands in our way.
I love that she's like a badass with like bone spikes, but her name is Ruth. <laughs> it's because she's ruthless. Cancer. Cancer. Cthulhu just got closer to coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, my name is Charles, and uh, I'm a senior time travel researcher. And uh, before Ruth and I got uh, sent back, uh, just because of the abrasive relationship I had with my colleagues, I'd kind of learned to more or less kind of have her uh, in my corner just because I'd gotten into a few dust-ups with colleagues, which uh, didn't always end well. Um, since coming back... Uh, kind of in a weird twist I end up running into my past self and I did my best to try and get away without mucking with any of the timeline and that's actually how I ran into Ethan I ducked into a coffee shop just to uh, uh, avoid any entanglements there and picked up a coffee and I was being shady as fuck and thankfully he did not pick up on any of that and thought I was kind of a decent guy which uh, I don't know kind of endeared me to him he's a nice dude he's a really really nice guy so uh yeah, anyways, um, in keeping with my somewhat less than uh, desirable uh, outlook and visage, I have uh, since been able to uh, squirt Black Iker, uh, which kind of comes handy when, uh, when uh, people are coming after me. And uh, other than that, I'm just kind of looking forward to use the money that current me has in this timeline to... Uh, aid us in our uh, in our adventure here today excellent and so the five of you find yourselves in this bowling alley called the bowling globe and you are planning whatever you're planning to I don't know what do you want to do you know that this item is up for auction. We'll say that it's up for auction in three nights' time. Um, I would like to point out that there are six of us. My uh, trusty, loyal Beagle Reg is also with me. Yes, <laughs> my mistake. There are six of you. Your dog is here <coughs> in this bowling alley. <laughs> And you can well, see, like, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Charles, how much money does your current self have? Uh, because maybe it's as simple as just buying the thing. I'll maybe kind of lean on the DM on this one. Um, didn't really discuss this. I'd assume it'd be a, a more than moderate amount. Let's take a look. So, um,. Uh... Where do you have preemptive inheritance? Because he can use his past self's family money. Charles get plus two and creating advantage resources. High quality equipment. Yeah, I'd say that that's definitely a, a possible way in. So, sorry guys. Like, I mean, I do got some coin on me, but uh, considering some of the uh, mucky mucks we're going to be seeing, I don't think I have quite enough to buy it outright. But, I mean, cobble something But you have enough to get us in? Enough oh, to get heck? us in and bid on some other lower tier things. Oh, heck yes. 
Yeah. Well, that's a start. How does one dress for an auction? Well, how does one dress for an auction and hide a bunch of weapons? This is sort of a middle to lower tier auction. This is the auctioning of... um, No, actually, never mind. Sorry. It's an estate sale. So it's more middle to high because the person whose estate it was was a collector. And so there are some very interesting antiques of historical value that are going, but there's nothing like Ark of the Covenant or Royal Jewels level. Is the auction house like a beautiful marble building or is it like a corrugated metal trailer somewhere? <laughs> um, you definitely would have done a little bit of scouting and so you could have seen the outside, which I will share a picture of for you. Ooh, fancy. So Plimpton and McCready's auction house <clears throat> was originally a church and has been uh, refurbished into a public auction house. Wow. That would have been quite the church. Well, are we are we trying to destroy the statue? Do we just want to hide it away from everyone? What's our goal with the statue? What do we want to do with it, guys? I think step as long as get it. Yeah, step one is get it, and then we could decide the most effective way to keep it out of the hands of the cultists, because that's where it all yeah. goes wrong. I definitely vote destroy because then it's just not on the board anymore. Yeah, yeah, if it's possible to destroy it, then that's probably the best plan. Do we want someone to make a lore roll to get our first roll of the night and see if it is destroyed? Uh, if you know the method to destroy it. I think we have a big nerd scientist in this group. I'm pretty lorey too on cult things. Oh, even better. So what you could do is one of you could roll to create an advantage, and if you succeed, you automatically give a free plus two to the person rolling the actual roll. Who's got good lore? Your lore is at three, mine is at two. So I'd say I could maybe give you an advantage there, Cassandra. Sounds sounds good. Let's put our heads together. All right. So let's say that uh, Brendan, Charles needs to roll lore and beat a difficulty of two. So, Brendan, what you're going to need to do is slash roll 4D fudge and then uh, add plus 2 because I believe you said your lore was plus 2. 4D F. Yeah. Nice. There we are. With 3. That's pretty darn good. So that gives me plus 2? Yeah, so he's creating an advantage with a success. So he creates one situational (laughs) aspect with a free invoke. So, Brendan, could you describe to us 
how your character uh, or what information your character might know that is of benefit to uh, Cassandra. Effectively, name your aspect. So I'll be pulling this from the uh, senior time traveling business. Um, In my studies, I did come across text based on this. So we'll say that given my previous uh, knowledge of this statue, that'll be the advantage I'll be giving to Cassandra in the way of just, hey, I've heard about this. This is what I know. Nice. So it's like a rumors from the future sort of thing. Betcha. All right. So with those rumors from the future and free aspect, Jen, you're going to get to roll 4D fudge plus 5 effectively. Wait, that's what I already have queued up. I didn't pick a difficulty. Bazinga. I'm not looking at your thing. I'm going to say that it probably is going to be a great... Yeah, it'll be a four. Has a superb hit, yeah, with a five. Perfect. So I will tell you that you know how to destroy it. If you would like to invoke one of your aspects to get a plus two, you will get an additional bit of information for uh, getting a succeed with style. Sweet. Did you want to do that? Yes, I do. So what aspect do you want to invoke? Um, I would like to invoke Rigorous Student of the Arcane. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Rigorous student of the arcane, you've studied these sorts of things and everything. So that gets you to a seven. So you know that this statue has been built up over time as it's passed from hand to hand. And in its like sort of center, in its heart, is an actual piece of Cthulhu that was broken off by an ancient Sumerian spellcaster. This is the sort of thing that cannot be destroyed, but it can be kept away from people. And your best bet might be tossing it in like an active volcano. Nope. Gotta send it to space. That might work too. And so the bonus bit of information is that it is uh, uh, wait, hang on I have to did you already have that info? a little bit yeah you did from when we were picking the the thing, the future information Mm -hmm. would be that it has the bit of Cthulhu in it so um you already know that, so the regular superb difficulty is knowing that it is indestructible, but you could probably get it, you know, in such a way that you can keep it out of the hands of cultists and the ritual, like you said, in space. But the book actually suggests um, a an active volcano, and I looked up the closest one to Edinburgh. Iceland, maybe? Yeah, Iceland is the only one that comes to mind. 
That is correct. There is an active volcano in Iceland called Urevajukulk. I'm really impressed with everyone's active volcano knowledge. <laughs> well, there was that. Remember four or five years ago, a volcano erupted in Iceland and it, uh, like, disrupted air traffic for, what, two or three months or something over the Atlantic? Seems like man. Forever, I seems completely like, forgot about that. Right? But doesn't that seem like forever ago? And I'm sure it was only like four or five years or something. <clears throat> Here, I'm going to put in the chat the name that I just pronounced. Come on. One second. Okay, so the auction is in three days? That's right. What kind of stuff do we think we need to (laughs) get organized to pull this off? Well, how are we... When are we going to get hands on this thing? Are we going to try to, like, steal it before, steal it during? Oh, steal, steal it from before the is a good idea. Yeah, steal it before. If we if we can case the joint, like, on day one, and then maybe steal on day two, that'd be great if we could get, like, maybe we preempt the auction entirely. Mm-hmm. Does anyone well, have, maybe like... Maybe if we have, if we can make a replica, and then Ooh. the timeline can continue with this Ooh. replica, and the cultists think that they have it. That's, That's devious. Brilliant. I mean, we don't really know what it looks like until we have it. But yeah, uh, someone from the future might know what it looks like. Maybe. Uh, no, I think. Well, and one of the traits about this is that it changes every time it changes hands. So it's very specific right. to what it looks like right now. Yeah, we any- would we would need some kind of arcane talent to actually make a duplicate, and and doing that might corrupt us are there any pictures right. on the auction site because often large auction places will put pictures of the items up before the auction mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense to me and it doesn't call for a role so if you pull up their website and you go to the norris estate listings you will find a picture of it sweet is that something we google in real life oh okay. there it is <laughs> there it is <laughs> There's way less poop on it than I thought. It is listed as lot number 250, effigy of unknown god molded from a variety of materials, Sumer, early dynastic period. And it is, it does have measurements, uh, 30 centimeters tall, 20 centimeters wide. Oh, so that's good. It's, it's not like some huge thing. It like does weigh over 40 pounds though, so it is pretty heavy. Right, but still not out of not unreasonable for one of us to carry it. It's because Cthulhu has a lot of like gravitas. Right, <laughs> he's not heavy. He's my elder god. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can we tell from the pictures if they were taken already at the auction house, or if they're just using like a stock image from somewhere? Uh, these would have been shot in the auction house, yes. 
So then we know the statue's already at the auction house. Yes. Or at least it was when they took the picture. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's it, left the estate and is hopefully yeah. at the auction house. It's probably in the building. It might be like not on display in the building. It might be in a safe or something in the building. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have any underworld contacts? Uh, uh, well, I have the burglary skill. Ooh, Hollywood. Plus three. That's great. And I can use burglary instead of drifting uh, for resources to get stuff we need, but not in big cities. So we're in a big city. So my my underworld contacts are more like on-the-road kind of urban types. Hmm. Okay. But still, burglary will come in handy when we eventually break into the place. Really handy. Uh, does they even have any skills that would get us, like, schematics of the buildings or, like, their security goes? So nothing in that way. Um, but just in terms of being a brainy nerd, I can use rapport when talking to college professors or other academic types. So assuming that this auction will have some of the nerdier brainy guys to kind of, you know, talk things up, figure out what things are. We could maybe see what information we could glean from those kinds of people, assuming we, mm. you know, make a good impression and not screw it up by being a jerk. Could you get in before the auction by pretending to be like one of the appraisers or one of like the scholars who are authenticating it? Uh, this is something I could do. I would maybe want some help, but... That's a really good question, Andre. So Andre asking, aren't there other thieves coming in to steal, and why aren't they stealing it before the auction? In uh, the existing historical record, they waited to steal it between the purchase and delivery. Because they're heckin' lazy. <laughs> Do we know anything about the estate that had it? Could we maybe pretend we're a part of the family and we wanted to oversee what was being sold and see if we could maybe get it back for our, the family first? I vote for whoever can do the most convincing Scottish accent. <laughs> well, and this is an estate sale because um, this person had no relatives that were, you know, or nothing was willed away and nothing was claimed. Mm. So it might be a stretch to claim, but I mean, you can always say that you're extended family and you just want it for your own reasons. I mean, if you want to build a legal case using a false identity, that might be a completely different game, but I'm game. <laughs> so are we thinking like nighttime sneak in or like daytime ruse?
what sort of info in the bowling alley are you thinking? And remember that this will be for a podcast, so if you can talk, talk. So guys, um, I don't know about you, but uh, if there's one thing I've learned in my years of academia, it's that uh, wise old types very often frequent bowling alleys. So maybe we won't get the most valuable information, but in terms of some underworld contacts, maybe that's something we could find here. Yeah, this this is right across the street from the place, right? It's a couple and of it, blocks down, but it's very close. Okay. So in the same general neighborhood. So people live around here, they know they know about this auction house, they are familiar with its workings. Well here's an idea. Here's an idea. There there's a bar in this uh bowling alley, so maybe we could just look and see if there's anybody that looks I mean not to stereotype, but are there any academic looking types at the bar? Or like sure. too too rich to be here? Yeah. <clears throat> um, why don't you go ahead, uh, whoever wants to initiate this, and make a perception type roll? Like I have a notice. Notice. That'd be that. I'm good at notice. All right, I'm gonna. That's great because I'm gonna say that this is probably just fair. So you just need a two. Unfortunately, you still have to roll the fudge dice because they are fickle. As are the Elder Gods. We can see they're quite fickle. Oof. So, right now in the narrative, you are not able to sort of see anyone that you think would be a good fit. But if you have an aspect or you could come up with a relative, um, you know, like a scene aspect that makes sense that I've already established, like saying, you know, it's a pretty busy, friendly atmosphere, uh, and spend a fate point, you could probably re-roll or even just get the plus two and you would succeed. Yeah, just the plus two. Um, I would think that me being a bio-augmented soldier from the future, itching for a fight, I have a pretty imposing aura so anybody who, you know, has knowledge that they may not want to share would be, I don't know, scared when they see me and maybe more noticeable because of that. So you sort of go up to the bar and you kind of like loom a little bit and then zero in on the person who seems a little bit squirrelier? Yeah. And you're looking for criminal types or you're looking for academic types? Pretty much anybody that has a secret. Sure. While Ruth is doing this, I'll get us a round of beers. (laughs) Yeah, you get a nice round of beers. And, um... Probably a criminal type. That's probably what Ruth would be looking at. Somebody that she could rough up if need be. Okay, so um, with spending your fade point, you see sort of like a a group of a group of sort of suspicious looking people 
sitting at the edge of the bar, kind of laughing and joking together. And um, as you're sort of watching the situation, uh, an opportunity arises as a bunch of them go up and go to a bowling lane, and one of them is staying and waiting to get a drink. I will uh, approach and start politely interrogating. This is why the thieves didn't steal the item before, because they were too busy bowling. (laughs) Alright, so the person that you are um, speaking with is a small sort of... uh, you know, nicely dressed in sort of rumpled clothing, like probably nice clothing that is not being taken much care of and is ordering a drink. And uh, he sees you come up and he looks you up and down. Hey, you looking to get a drink? I was looking for conversation, actually. All right. And he... uh, motions over and uh, tells the bartender to bring two. So you don't really seem like the type to be at a bowling alley? What's your story? I come here with my friends every now and then. Oh, so you live around here? Yeah, not too far. This is a good neighborhood. And so what what brings you to town? Oh, just visiting with some friends, um, seeing the sights. I heard there was a an auction house around here that was uh, used to be a church. They just repurposed it. Do you know about this place? Oh, yeah. Plimpton and McCready's. It's a nice place. Bright red doors. Fancy inside. Oh, so you've been? Been by. Haven't been in. Um, what kind of vibe am I getting from him? Is it like a flirty, interested vibe or scared of me vibe? Right now, flirty, interested, but you also sort of get the idea that it's because, like, he's performing, like his buds are over there and a woman just walked up to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will, I will continue to just small talk with him for a little while try to put him at ease okay is there any particular information that you're looking for um well i mean small talk and as well as a badass super soldier can flirt back with him and eventually try to lead to take me to the auction house to show me around that's where i'd like to end up Okay, so that sounds like a rapport roll. I would say it's probably only an average difficulty. You just need a one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when it's not in my skills, that means I have plus zero, correct? That is correct. Oh, boy.
I All right. got a minus one. You got a negative one. So right now you are not succeeding. Um, you could spend your last fate point to invoke an aspect to turn this into a success, or you could succeed with a major consequence. Um, you have a new boyfriend. I kind of want to see what the rest of the group does before making this decision. Because I assume this conversation would have lasted a little while. Um, yeah, well, I kind of want to keep the focus here so that we can either just tie up okay. this thread. Sure. Or move. Um, well, um, he could agree to go with me. Um, and then his friends follow after us. Does that sound like a major yeah, that'd cost? Be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still know nothing about these guys, so I don't know what their actual intentions are. Completely innocent bystanders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've got a. <laughs> I've got an idea. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go with the major consequence, then yes. Uh, this person whose name is Brian will uh, happily sort of walk you by as a local guy and, and show you uh, around. And then his group kind of uh, shortly thereafter, get up and follow you all out. So, um, you and Brian head off and walk down the street chatting amiably. Oh, God. How far into this are we? And I've already split the party. Well, I mean, it, I think that, I think probably the rest of us should maybe follow the crew that's following Ruth. Oh, follow the followers. Huh? Follow the followers uh, <laughs> just to make sure that, you know, they don't uh, try and ambush you or something. I mean, Ruth can take care of herself, but... I appreciate yeah. the sentiment. <laughs> True enough. Just to be clear, guys, she set this up for us so we can tail them because I don't think they've noticed us yet. DM, have they noticed us? Nope. They have no reason to be looking at you. Is it dark? Like, is it nighttime? Uh, yes, it's nighttime. Then I'm extra stealthy in the dark. Ooh. Uh, okay, so the rest of you back at the table, you've got your round of drinks and your conversation is carrying on. You see Ruth approach this man at the bar, and after a short time, they seem to kind of get into a nice rapport, and then they get up and leave. Sh shortly after that, uh, four more men stand up from one of the bowling alleys, kind of throw down a couple of bills and then uh, also head out the door. Does that seem suspicious? Like, is their game not over yet? Their game is not over, and they do look to be clearly following Ruth. Guys, I could be wrong, but it feels like this is our cue to maybe uh, tag along uh, uh, at a discreet distance. I agree. Ruth is good, but not, yeah. I don't know if she's that good. She can handle I mean, she herself, just, but yeah, absolutely. She may have just made some friends. You never know. Well, I want friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Ah, Chuck, you'll get there someday. Ethan, your naivete is going to get us all killed one day. Ethan never changed. (laughs) (laughs) So we follow. We'll follow. Okay. So, uh, first, Ruth heading out onto the street and chatting with Brian, and he's saying, oh yeah, I grew up all around here and uh, running up and down the streets. This church, it was... um, old, like 150, 200 years old, uh, but never really operated in my lifetime. A couple of years ago, it was bought out, uh, fancied and gussied up and by these uh, two partners, and uh, it's been pretty good. So it, it gets more use as an auction house than a church? I find that a little surprising. He just kind of shrugs. I don't know. Like, how many auctions can you have around here? Are there any coming up? Uh, yeah. There was, um... Some guy, old kook, lived in, um... Falling down old house a couple of blocks over. Uh, he passed, and I, I guess he had a bunch of... Fancy relics or something. You know, hmm. like museum stuff. That sounds pretty interesting. Is all yeah. that stuff in there right now? Must be. There's a whole bunch more security the last couple of days. That could be cool to go take a look. Is it open? Uh, it kind of like looks. Since it might be a little bit late. They're open during the day, though. You can go in and walk around and talk to curator and stuff but it might be more exciting to go in now (laughs) (laughs) he kind of smirks a little bit and looks at you and he says "Uh, I don't know about that like I said there's a lot of guards and eh, not worth my trouble but so you arrive at the front of the auction house and you can see in through some sort of glass windows uh, to uh, show you the interior. Yeah. So basically, like, you know, picture that the windows are dark and everything. Um, But you can look in and you can see immediately to your left, there's a security desk and there's a security guard like sitting there watching you as you walk by very like alert and uh, you can see into this lit area of an auction hall floor with a, um, a balcony above it. Okay. Is there, is there only the one security guy? Can I see anybody else in there? Uh, make a notice. Uh, one total? I'm getting some garbage on these fudge rolls. Yeah, so with a fair difficulty, you do notice that there is another security guard patrolling, and uh, that's the only other one that you see. There may be more. Uh, it's clearly a two-story building, and I've got a little bit of a floor plan I can show you, too. Okay. 
Yeah, so all of this is basically visible, so I'm going to share it now. So you're walking by sort of on that corner bit on the front, and you can see that there's a um, sort of a receiving area in the uh, in the back where it says six, like a loading dock sort of thing. And you're walking by the front part on the bottom right. Uh, that thing that says three right there, that's a security desk. And then uh, you can see the balcony above and sort of the rest of the building. And which way did we come from? I'd say you probably came from the top right and are moving past uh, because it's as you pass by and continue that you would see the uh, the loading dock later. Right, so we would keep walking towards three and then two and all the way around to the back. Yeah, exactly. Because as you're walking by, like the security guard like clocks you the entire time. And then like as somebody else starts walking the other direction, they stare at that person and then continue looking. Right. Well, it's uh, gonna be exhausting. <laughs> uh, I'll just keep dragging Brian along with me, kind of keeping up pleasantries as we walk around, and I'm gonna keep a vigilant eye on entrances, cameras, anything, just casing the place uh, as much as I can from the outside. For sure. So. That guard picture does not strike me as a person who would be vigilant. <laughs> He's incredibly vigilant. He looks vigilant, but just easily overcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, okay. Uh, probably a notice. Or I would say maybe a burglary, if you have that, to sort of case the joint a little bit more as you're going. And then because you're walking and sort of carrying on conversation, I'm going to put it at a three difficulty. And this will be notice again. Oh! oh. Wow. Very good. Wow. A fantastic result. Yeah, so that is succeeding with style. Uh, so you, you would notice, style? yeah, I okay. give you some additional information. Cool. <clears throat> so yeah, this is, yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, actually we can share it. So the idea is that you're overcoming an obstacle. The obstacle is you don't know what's going on here. Um, with success, you would see that um, all of the windows are like heavily reinforced. Uh, they don't look like they're ones that can be broken into, and they're probably alarmed. Uh, you do notice uh, various security cameras pointing on the outside. Um, and then with the succeed with style, you get to create a new aspect that could maybe be used later. So you could say, um, I know where the camera blind spots are, or uh, I figured out the guards' rotations, and you create a new aspect. Um, However, sorry, one last thing. However, it is a boost aspect, which means it can only be used once, and then it's gone. 
Um, yeah, uh, I was thinking uh, camera blind spots right before you even mentioned it, so I think that makes the most sense. Beautiful. So these camera blind spots I've discovered, do they can they safely take one to an entrance somewhere? It looks like there's an entrance in the back and there's one on the side. Uh, no, is that are. a window on the side? Yeah, it's to just kind of like uh, to number two. Yeah, it's just a window. So the only entrances okay. are the angled at the front and the loaded dock in the back. And so the way it works is if you want to make a stealth roll, you then use the boost. I know the camera blind spots, which makes your success more likely. Actually, Merrick, it looks like there is an entrance right at the top. Oh, yeah, you're totally right. There is one right there. Okay, well, um, this Brian guy's been pretty useless, but the walk has been nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, as you're sort of walking, um, you see the uh, group of his friends kind of stopping in front of the auction house and the security guard goes up to the window and like taps the sign that says they're closed so I noticed that they're following us yeah they're not being super stealthy Hmm. what is everybody else doing right now Uh, I was going to try to be following them stealthily yep double stealth so can we can we help each other with stealth or um I would say that there's no real role required because these people are not well okay they are aware enough that if somebody was following down the road and kept following they probably would so I would say everybody needs to make sort of a stealth or deception type role but it's not the sort of thing that you uh uh, you can help each other with. Okay. Or we could do a group role, uh, Blades in the Dark style, where you choose one leader to sort of do the stealth check, and then um, uh, it is more difficult based on the number of people. I'm happy with whatever people want to do. Do we all want to roll for ourselves, or...? Sure. That works yeah, let's do that. Jen's already rolled, so... Yeah, yeah I sure did. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody go ahead. Roll yourself. All right. So, I didn't say it out loud, but I'd set the difficulty at one, so we got one that was a failure... So you could succeed at a great cost. Well, we're going to move past it because we got three successes. And what we can actually do... Yeah, three successes and one fail. Let's move on. They're not very suspicious. Are they a little tipsy? A little bit, but not a lot. But they've clearly stopped in front of the auction house. Okay, do we just want to 
Like, I'm happy to just duck down. Like, is there a little outclove or something? Inclove? <laughs> yeah, sure. Word? An alcove uh, from a previous building. Yeah. Yeah, you wait it out, and they eventually, like, you know, they flip off the guard and then uh, sort of wander away and cross the street, and then they're walking along the opposite side of the street of where Ruth and uh, Brian are. They seem really creepy. Can we see Ruth and Brian? As you sort of come in front of the auction house, the guard is sitting back down, and then like watches you go by, and then you turn the corner and you can see Ruth and Brian just down the block. I smile and wave at the guard. The guard, like, stares at you and doesn't doesn't wave back. (laughs) That's okay. He's got a lot on his mind, eh? <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So, Brian kind of says, um, you know, my place is pretty close by if you wanted to stop in for a nightcap. Oh, that sounds nice, but I should probably be getting back to my friends. They're probably worried about me. And what about your friends? Aren't they worried about you? He says, ah, I don't know. He kind of looks around and sees them. He says, ah, bastard's already left without me anyways. Okay, so backtracking here. Me seeing him at the bar. What exactly did I see in him that made me target him? Just his Uh, clothes? He was just kind of out of place. Like, he doesn't look like an honest sort of person. But I haven't sensed any sort of dishonesty in our quote-unquote date. No, you're thinking maybe petty criminal. Hmm. Yeah, I think I just have to get back to my friends. But it was nice chatting with you. Alright, well, uh, we're probably going to a pub around the corner, so if you change your mind, find me there. Uh, it's 2020, we all have phones, right? Yep. I don't actually say that to him. (laughs) 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 But like, how about I get your number? Yeah, you can exchange numbers, no problem. Okay, so maybe meet up later. Goodbye. All right. And then so Brian sort of just like jogs across the street and catches up with his friends and they turn a corner. Okay, I'll I head back to the group as well. Yeah. Well, All right. have, I, have I seen the group yet? Um, you're kind of there and they turn the corner and get out of the guard's uh, line of sight, so you probably catch them basically before uh, moving far past the loading dock. And you can see like the building extends over the loading dock. 
in case that oh, wasn't yeah. clear from the picture. Okay, I see that now. All right, well, I'll meet up with them and give them a, a quick rundown on what I discovered. Not going into too much detail, but I don't need to tell them all the camera stuff, exactly how it works, but I know things now. That's good to know things. Okay, so um, you have tonight and then tomorrow night, and we'll just say that the third night is when the auction is. So did you want to start preparing some things? What's the plan since you're here? Did you want to just like kick in the door and find out what's going on? Like a little bit. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, there's no time for door kicking like now, right? I mean, we know where the cameras don't see the back, right? Yeah, so um, Brian and his buddies seemed like petty criminals to me. So perhaps they could be persuaded to cause some sort of distraction. Huh. Ooh, some ruckus. They do a little ruckus in the front, and we do a little sneaky-sneaky in the back. Um, Charles, you have money. You could pay them. I mean, you can never go wrong with having some useful rubes. Let's make it happen. Totally. I like it. That's a good plan. Rubes plan. <laughs> All right. You've got Brian's number. So what do you want to do? Um... Well, let's go back. Well, so we were at the bowling alley. Do we have like a place to sleep at the bowling alley, or were we just there bowling? I mean, you probably have like a hotel or a motel nearby, and the bowling alley was just like a place that had hot food and drinks and an activity where you could sit around a table and discuss. Yeah, maybe let's go back somewhere to sit and discuss and actually come up with a plan plan. Do we have a vehicle? Uh, if you would like to get a vehicle, then you'll have to rent one. Call or an steal Uber. one, I guess. Just thinking we might want some better escape method if we can. Oh, get away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just, well, let's run away with this statue. Okay, black panel van, guys. Let's get on it. <laughs> yes. Actually, I kind of like the idea of calling uh, calling an Uber as our escape vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be an Uber XL. Yep. Um, Brian and his goons might have a vehicle. That could be part of us hiring them. So they can be our getaway squad. Our yeah. ruckus and getaway squad. Our I ruckus... Like it. Our getaway yeah, vehicle, okay. and we can also I like like, throw them to the wolves if need be. Exactly, yeah. Rubes! <laughs> Useful idiots. Okay, so... Let's see, I'm opening up Charles's character. So, your preemptive inheritance... You get a plus two to creating an advantage with resources by purchasing high-quality equipment. Um, I'm going to hand-wave that a little bit. We don't need to say that it's high-quality equipment. Like, we're going to count the rubes as equipment in this case. Ouch. 
And so useful equipment. What you can do. Uh, let's see. We can have you do a, a resources roll. Uh, getting your additional plus two, so you're at a three to create an advantage that will be an aspect that Andre can then uh, use for free as an additional plus two or re-roll when he tries to convince Brian. Basically, you put up the money and then he delivers the plan and gives the ask. Sounds good, kids. We gonna sit down and discuss this first, or should we uh, text up Brian and meet him and his pals at their bar and talk it over there? Yeah, since we're closer to their bar, why don't we just do it there? Sure. I mean, it would probably help to have a a pre-plan before we plan with them, because they're not going to be involved with the whole plan. That's That's a good point. point. Mm, Okay. They are more tools than anything. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, basic plan would be send them to the front or even to that side door up top, and then we go in through the back. Yeah, like we're going through the loading dock, you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. the loading dock. That that certainly seems like where things would be stored. Plus, it's also where there's the ominous black shading over the rooms. Yes. No, I definitely think things are stored in the number sevens, a.k.a. <laughs> the, the washroom. <laughs> no one would ever suspect there. Right. <laughs> All right. It sounds good. So you head back to the bowling alley, uh, grab another table, get another round of drinks, and start laying out the plan. Uh, so far, possibly creating a distraction at the north entrance while going in through the loading dock. Yeah, who, here, who here is the most familiar with crime? Hollywood, maybe? Maybe. I have... Uh... Uh, a background in not not deliberate criminality, but criminality by necessity, I guess. So when I became a drifter and lost my source of income, I had to resort to a little bit of burglary uh, to uh, you know keep the fight going against the rise of Cthulhu. So did you ever do like a little uh, little B and E's? A little bit, yeah, yeah. You know, not that I feel good about it, but you know. A convenience store can stand to lose a couple of hundred bucks if it means that 30 years from now, you know, we're not going to have Cthulhu rise and destroy civilization. Right. A, a little murder today, a little whatever today saves a lot of murder tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, so I can certainly, if we know where the cameras are, are dead zones, I can use my burglary skills to get us through the loading dock door, I think. Right on. Perfect. And then, I don't think we need to really tell peons what to do. Just kind of smash and grab. Yeah, create a distraction. But do it at the front of the building, not not around the loading dock area. Sure. And do we want to essentially have them paid off as just creating a distraction, or do we want to feed them something about their being, I don't know, something of value or something of interest of them here? Or do we want them literally just to cause a scene and then 
beat feet. We could always leave that up to them and just say, like, hey, we're going to pay you this money. If you want to make your distraction by busting in and stealing stuff, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if we should even tell them it's a distraction. Oh, if they get that's... caught, they might give us up. That's You're true. So if we pay them to go what rob we... this place... I've got, I've got an idea. What if we pay them to go after an item that's on for auction that we don't actually care about? Like steal the steal item four sixty three, and uh, and we'll give you you know some ludicrous amount of money like ten grand or something. One uh, million. That's right. <laughs> like we we don't want them going in the back because we want to go in the back. That's right. So we'll tell them to steal one of the fancy items that's on display in the front. Right. Just don't take the tentacle headed guy. Yeah, there are display cases in the front. Yeah, so let's use the website to identify the specific one we want them to steal. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, and what do you find on the website that you want them to steal? The gaudiest thing. Yeah, the tackiest, just ugliest thing. Oh, is there like a statue of like a dog? That's like bedazzled and shit. Yeah, I was thinking like stained glass chandelier, but bedazzled dog sounds great too. <laughs> bedazzled dog sounds like code. So, the plan, as I understand it, is you convince Brian and his hooligans to break in through the front and steal a bedazzled dog, which I'd said was a beagle, but you know, oh, that. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. She's she's majestic. That's Looks, that's amazing. Yeah. What type of dog is that? Bulldog. Yeah, I thought it was a bulldog. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, a bedazzled bulldog. At which point you will use the information that you've gathered so far and the skills of Hollywood to break in through the loading dock and attempt to find the statue. That's our plan. Hell yeah. Okie dokes. Then, let's get this show on the road. Um, Sorry. Can I just clarify something? So we're going to tell them to break into the front so we can break into the back? Correct. Yeah. I think it'd be much funnier to tell them to break into the back, and then when all the guards go running to the back, (laughs) we just walk in the front. But just we'll do it totally the other way. It's just funny. be funny, but I think our way is more effective. Oh, heck yeah. Alright, so um, how do you want to hire Brian and the Goons? Is that their band name? Yeah, they play Ska. (laughs) I mean, I, I think we just do money. I don't think I should be trying to seduce him anymore. I'm not very good at it. I think money is the best. I'm more punchy, shooty, stabby. Charles, seduce them with your fat bills. <laughs> Does anybody have rapport? Do you want somebody else to be the the speaking, the face? Uh, no, thank. Oh, I'm actually pretty. I'm good at rapport. I've got some rapport over here as well. So, oh, um, 
Maybe I I call him, but Cassandra talks. Well, did you say Ethan has some rapport? Yeah. Ethan's got some pretty good rapport, actually. I think I think Ethan should do it because Ethan's our, Ethan's I'm, like I our mean, Cassandra present Cassandra pretends to be Ruth on the phone because we are both. Oh, I thought ladies. we were going to go see them at the bar. Yeah, I guess we could do that. What if we go see them? What if we're trying? We see that like we know that that dog is on auction. What if we try to convince them that like. I want that dog because I'm trying to start up an Instagram for my dog. <laughs> That's so good. That's worth some time in the pen. <laughs> and that's the best way to get noticed. Time in the doghouse. Yeah, guys, I, I did it for the Instagram likes. I did it for the followers. <laughs> yeah. I did it for the gram. What other way is there to get famous right now? Come on, guys. It's very it's true. Bouncy. <laughs> Yeah, I think meeting them at their bar is probably the best route. We'll just say, hey, guys, we've got a preposition for you. And Ruth can okay. introduce us all. Yeah, I'll, I'll introduce, but... Yeah, no... you don't have to be like the talker. Yeah. No uh, along the way, is there any gear that we should be picking up? Yeah, what kind of gear do we have on us already? Um, I'm, I'm super good at throwing daggers. I assume I have daggers. You create the daggers from your flesh. Gross. Um, gear in this is really not a thing. Uh, like, you can create an aspect that will add you some temporary gear and whatnot. Otherwise, it's really signature items, like the dog that's created in your aspect. To the pub. All right, and All and right. one of the other things, like for example, um, if you are in a situation where you need a weapon, like you say, I'm going to create an advantage, and you and you grab a weapon as one action, and you like create something there. You're like, oh, I bust this open and pull out a big wrench from a toolbox or something. But like, could we say that um, Hollywood has some lockpicking tools because he has the lockpicking skill? Yes, that's all sort of tied in there. Cool mean. Okay, so you head over to the pub, which is called the Old Steady. Oh. Sleazy urban <laughs> bar. <laughs> bar. Nice. <laughs> And uh, you go in, and it's like really dark sort of area with uh, like the sort of sticky floors and really loud conversation, and uh, like lots of laughing and drinking and so on. And it's fairly easy to find Brian and his group pretty quickly. All right. Well, I'll, I'll guide our group over. And I will say a brief hello and then introduce whoever's going to talk. Ethan, get him! <laughs> okay, uh, so after like brief introductions, uh, Ethan's just going to, you know, big, big smile on his face. He's, guys, great to meet you. Really, really, really nice to meet you guys. You, you, I see you've met my friend Ruth. She's, she's the best, 
best ever. Really nice. You guys seem really great. This is my dog. The dog's name is Reg. And isn't he just like <laughs> the best boy? He is the best boy. But the world doesn't know that. I need the world to know who this is. And I can't do it on my own. I can't. I, 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 just, I work at a coffee shop, man. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I can't do it on my own. But I know that at that auction, there is the most beautiful bejeweled dog. And I need that dog. Now, its auction price is way out of my range. But, you know, I'm thinking you guys might be able to help me out with this. You know, maybe uh, help out with uh, getting into there and getting that dog out for me so I can get it for my boy. And we can, uh, you know, a couple months let the heat die down. And all of a sudden, that that bejeweled dog shows up next to Reg and he becomes the most famous dog on Instagram. Alright, so you're telling me that you want us to break into an auction house and steal a shiny dog so you can put it on the internet. That's exactly what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> and they all like kind of look back and forth, and Brian kind of shrugs, and he's really confused and like looks at Ruth like, is this for real? And the person that you're speaking to is clearly sort of the leader of the group, a bigger sort of heavier man with like tattoos up his arms and up his neck, a uh, shaved head, older than the rest. Oh, Brian's not the leader. No. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> uh, maybe Charles wants to flash some stacks at them. Absolutely. Or at least tell them that we will pay them. <laughs> Listen, gentlemen, I know this seems like a, a really weird thing, but uh, I find that you'll you'll see that it'll be worth your while. And uh, maybe maybe I'll just like, I don't know, do a quick little flip of some bills. Sounds good. So let's have you... Create an advantage using your resources and your stunts. So you're getting a plus three, and the difficulty is only going to be an average because uh, they're uh, predisposed to taking money for jobs. Aren't we all? <laughs> Ooh. All right, so two success, or two shifts of success. So you get the success, which is creating a situational aspect with one free invoke. Um, you didn't quite hit the success with style, so one invoke instead of two. But that will give the convincing roll a free plus two. Or reroll. Okay. And so I'm using rapport, because I'm not lying. I do want him to steal that dog. Yes, absolutely. Rapport totally works. And I'm going to say that there is another aspect, like, you know, they're a little drunk. So if you need another plus two, you can spend a fate point to sort of call on that as well. It's a pretty obvious scene aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Difficulty to convince these people to break into a securely guarded area will be a four. Four? Okay. And so I was getting plus two from the the bills? That is correct. You can do it. I believe in you. 
Oh, oh my god! Oh. Wow! <laughs> there you go. So with a five, you beat it by one. And that is success at no cost. Now, if you wanted to spend a fate point, you could invoke the fact that they're drunk and call on that a little bit, and then you would get success with style. Um, you know what? I think I think we're okay. I think we got it to succeed. They're they're on board. Save the fate points for later. Yeah. All right. So he says. All right. Well, sounds like a bit of um, quick money. When do you want this done? Uh, well, uh, tomorrow night because that auction's coming right up. So we need it done before it's gone. Because then I, w- I don't, then I won't be able to find it again, man. Well, what are you waiting for? Why won't we do it tonight? Uh, t- uh, yeah, I mean, uh, tonight yeah, we could do it tonight. I mean, I'm just gonna kick in the door. We're gonna go and uh, get it right. Smash uh, and grab. Yeah, yeah. We we we. That's that's it. That's that's all we need. And where do we deliver you your shiny mutt? Um, we could meet back up at the bowling alley tomorrow morning. And that's where we can get you your pay. All right. Well, me and the boys will probably be lying low, so we'll send somebody with your dog in the morning. That works. All right, lads. Let's go have a bit of fun. And just as a gesture of good faith, we'll uh, order the next round on them, or on, on us, or whatever. Oh, well, they were like standing up to go and have some fun, and then they sit right back down and have another drink. <laughs> Gives you a little bit more time to get in uh, into position, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, let's boogie. Yep, let's get into position and uh, um, let's ask them to text Ruth when they're moving in. That's a good idea. Sure, that works. Uh, I'm just looking at something real quick. One sec. Ah, perfect. There's going to be a a little bit of beeping right now as you all hear me switching tracks unless you turned off your notifications. the group um, around back towards the dock where I had seen this path through the cameras and then we wait excellent yeah and we'll wait for just a second as Jen just stepped away from her computer okay so actually now's a great time if anybody wants to go and go to the washroom or grab a drink uh, let's take a 10 minute break sounds good awesome Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK, and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. Also, if you want monthly releases of homebrew content, 
pledge to our Patreon as a $3 minstrel at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress. If you want some outtakes, keep listening after I stop talking. Jesus God. Sorry, Craig is loud. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's Craig. He's our Discord bot that records everything. We love Craig. Craig. Yeah, so basically Craig will output an audio file for every one of us, including the music. And then I edit it into a podcast. Nice. Oh. You don't know, I might have plus 300. Plus 300. Oh, plus 300. And I just got 300, which is, yeah. <laughs> Those are fudge dice for you. They rarely give anything other than zero. That's amazing. <laughs> if I'm talking right now, is it very staticky? A little bit. A little bit. Still, like, very. Um, what's the audio term of legible? Audible? <laughs> oh, yeah. but, like, clear. Hi, guys. This video is sponsored by Audible. <laughs> How's it now, love? Have you just been reading through it so far, or...? Not in a couple of weeks, because I had to read Fate of Cthulhu, and I needed to read another one for Tuesday for a review game. I'm shocked, Merrick. You didn't make enough time to read RPG source books. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna end of the world, guys. It's the end of the. I'm gonna count how many RPG source books I currently have beside my computer desk. You should see this table; it is ridiculous, and each one he's looking at. I currently have 22 hardcover RPG books. Oh, plus Fate of, um, plus the Fate system, so 23. The ridiculous. Um, so I have now just shared a picture of the 22 RPG books right there. And then there's a 23rd one on my computer desk in front of me. Crazy. You can see the front pile is stuff I was using actively in a game last night. The next pile is stuff that I might use in the game last night. The next pile is stuff that I really want to read. And then the back pile is stuff that I've been reading in the last month. Jeez. You're a monster. It's not a problem. Nobody said it was a problem. <laughs> it's only a problem when you decide it's a problem, Eric. It's, no, it's only a problem. only a problem when I decide it's a problem. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes, it. yeah, when it, when it comes to, like, stuff that takes up space, suddenly your life partner has a, has a voice in those decisions. 